So we've never really put an end time in the bulletin, so we're just going to cover the clock. <laughs> All right, y'all aren't excited about that. No, um, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, but I really want to talk to you today. We're st- actually starting a series. Did we mention that we're starting a series today? It's a four-week series called What If? And I don't know how many of you remember back to when Pastor Michael first uh, transitioned over into being the lead pastor. And um, he did a message, and he talked about that um, quote from, was it Steve Witt? We're going to move from what was to what is to what if. And uh, so we, he just has had this stirring for a long time, so we're excited about it. There's four different messages, and um, they're just going to hopefully stir your faith, ignite a fire, ignite a passion on the inside of you. Um, but my topic is what if we really know God? What does it look like? What would life look like if we really know God? And I was thinking about what if. And how many of you play the what if game? to the negative. Anybody dare to say I what if negatively all the time? Normal, natural. I've got my hand up, not because I'm leading a negative. <laughs> what if I lost my job? What if I got that diagnosis? What if the medicine doesn't work? What if I fall? What if I fail? I'm not going to even try because what if, what if, what if? And what we want to do is kind of recondition our thinking and change it. Because we're not going to think, what if I fail? What if I fall? We want to think, what if I fly? God gave us an imagination. And we're supposed to use it for him. And he wants us to imagine big things. He doesn't want us to imagine, what if I fail? He doesn't want us to imagine, what if I fall? Those things hold you back. They hold me back. He wants us to think, oh, man, what if I fly? What if this succeeds? What if this is bigger and more successful than anything I could even dream? And so we're going to talk today about what if, what if I really know God? We're going to just take a couple minutes and talk about what it looks like to know God and what it's not, not snot, (laughs) what it is not, (laughs) it's allergy season. So what it's not, what it isn't, what knowing God is not, is not just knowing about God. We're not just talking about knowing the facts that are in the book. We're not just talking about knowing about who he is, hearing from somebody else who he is and what he can do and what he has done, not just hearing facts about him. And you can go on michaellegaris.com and read a bio, a bio biography of, of my husband, and it'll give you some facts about him. It'll tell you why he wanted to do the worship album. It'll tell you where he is, how many kids he has. There's a lot of facts in his bio about Michael. But you're never going to know the intimacies and idiosyncrasies of his personality if you don't spend time with him. His bio is not going to tell you how sensitive his heart is or how compassionate his heart is. It's not going to tell you that everything he does comes out in tears. It's not going to tell you that when he's trying to not cry, he laughs. Sorry, baby. No secret. Not bad to Reichel. Do you ever hear him go, <laughs> It's because he's trying not to cry up there. (laughs) Isn't he cute? (laughs) 
I just bought him a mug. How many of you know about my mug addiction? I have a tea mug addiction. It says, good morning, handsome. So now every time he makes coffee in the morning, (laughs) he can know I think he's kind of cute. But you can go on his website and find out about him. But unless you actually spend time with him, you will never know him. Nor will you have any kind of relationship with him. You can know about him without him ever knowing anything about you. There's not a mutually satisfying functioning relationship there. So we don't just want to know about him. We don't want to just know facts about him. We want to follow the word right back to the mouth that spoke the word and spend time with the one who spoke the promise. We want to know him. So it's not just about him. And knowing God is not just about some experience. It's not just about some feeling. It's not about coming to worship service and having a goosebump or two, shouting and being happy when you leave, and then it ending right there. It's not just about experience. It's not just about a feeling. Life is going good, so God is good. Life's not going good, so I don't know if he's here with me or not. Knowing him is not about an experience. How many of you who know someone who jumps from experience to experience to experience to service to service to service and it never impacts their life? He intends that when we know him, it's going to do something. It's going to make our life look a certain way. And what if we really know him? Knowing him is nothing more than having a relationship with him. And that word relationship means... The state of being connected. So knowing him is being in a state of being connected to him. And so we're going to take a look at three different areas that it's going to affect. And you know, this is only going to scratch the surface. This is only going to scratch the surface of what our life will look like if we know him. And I was so excited about it first service, I almost couldn't hardly stay sitting down. So I might get up and preach at you a little bit. Is that okay? But um, we're going to look at the person who knew him the best, Jesus, our example, and find out how his life was, what our life is supposed to look like, and what our life will look like if we really know him. And I want to read to you Matthew 11 out of the Message Bible. And this is Jesus talking to a crowd of people. And it says, Jesus resumed talking to the people, but now tenderly. The Father has given me all these things to do and say. This is what my life looks like. It came from the Father. The Father's given me all these things to do and to say. And this is, you know, he goes on and says this. But the next part of this verse is why he can do and say what he did and said. The Father has given me all these things to do and say. This is a unique father-son operation coming out of father and son intimacies and knowledge. So Jesus could do what he did and say what he said because he had father and son intimacies and knowledge. He knew God. It doesn't say Jesus did what he did and said what he said because he was the son of God and he was operating as a God in this earth, and nobody else will be able to do this. That's not what it says. It says he did what he did and said what he said, operating out of father and son intimacies and knowledge. No one knows the son the way the father does, nor the father the way the son does, but I'm not keeping it to myself. 
I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen. So it would be one thing if he said, God, give me all this stuff to do. How many of you, have you, God has given you some stuff to do? You have dreams in your heart. You have desires in your heart, things in your heart you want to do for God. He's given you all these things to do and to say, this is a unique father-son operation coming out of father-son intimacies. No one knows the son the way the father does or the father the way the son does, so too bad for you, you don't get to do any of it. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, we're going to go to John 14, because this is what Jesus said. It's father and son intimacies. Jesus had a 24-7, minute-by-minute, constant, continuous, ever-abiding, never-ending connection to the Father. And that's why he could do what he did and say what he said. But listen to what he says in John 14, verse 12. He said, I tell you the truth, that anyone who believes in me... How many of you believe in him? Oh, look, you count. This is about you. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, he says it again. Ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. If you believe in me, then greater works than these will you do. If we're going to do the works that Jesus did, it's going to come out of a relationship like Jesus had. Jesus did what he did and said what he said, and he even said it himself. I don't do the works. It's the Father in me that does the works. He's in me. I'm in him. I don't do it on my own. I do it through him. I came as a man, I operated as a man to give you an example, and this is how you're supposed to do it. And he even told them, you're going to do greater works than me. Well, what did Jesus do? What did he do? He opened blind eyes. He made minds right. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. How many of you would like to raise the dead? Hallelujah. What does it look like when we really know him? And our mind immediately goes to, that's not for me. I could never do that. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Any of us. How many of you believe in Jesus? Right? So you're in here. If you believe in me, greater works will you do because I go to the Father. This is what it should look like when we really know him. And you know what I think the coolest thing about Jesus' ministry was? Is that he, I don't, is there any record of him performing a miracle in the synagogue? In the synagogue, how many? One time he performed a miracle in church. The rest of it happened out there. He was out and about. When he was walking, when he was going places, when he was doing things outside of the walls of the church, that's where the miracles happened. Okay, let's let that sink in. <laughs> we bring people to church, and we should. I want you to bring sick people to Pastor Allen's healing lessons. Get them educated on what belongs to them. Build their faith. But they, the healings happened out there. What does it look like if we really leave the church? 
what does it look like if we really know him and leave the church? I'm going to write a blog. I had the stern yesterday that the church is not Las Vegas. Okay, I'm not going for the entertainment factor here. But I'm going for the what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. A lot of times what happens in church stays in church. We come in, we get built up, we have a goosebump, we hear a message, and then we go out and don't even tell anybody. You know, I like Facebook. It's a great way to connect and to, to get together with people. But if I see one more thing on Thrive or Advocare or Plexus and nobody's ever talking about Jesus, I'm like, you're telling me that Thrive changed your life? No. Thrive changed your body. Jesus changed your life. Out there. Out there is where we're supposed to go with the power of God, with the knowing God. It happened as he was walking around. What would life really look like if we know him? If we maintain a 24-7, minute-by-minute, constant, continuous connection with the God who created the heavens and the earth, and impossible is his favorite word, because he gets more glory that way. What would it really look like? Who wants to perform miracles? It's not so we get glory, it's so that he gets lifted up. When Jesus went to Lazarus' tomb, he said, Father, I, I thank you that you hear me always. And that phrase can also be translated in the audience of. And so he was saying, I thank you that I am always in the audience of you. What if we really have a revelation and an understanding that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us? What would that look like? It's supposed to look like this. Jesus said, go into the world, the whole world, preach the gospel, lay hands on the sick, watch them recover, cast out demons, raise the dead. Go do it. He wouldn't tell us to go do it if we couldn't do it. But it comes out of those father and son intimacies. What does it look like if we really know him? And a lot of times the doubt creeps in. You know, have, we've, have you ever heard someone say, well, if that was real, you could go clear out the hospitals? Anybody ever heard that? Did Jesus clear out the hospitals? Did Jesus heal everybody? Jesus healed everybody that came to him. Everybody that came to him. But he left porches of people sick at the pool of Bethesda. And when he was in his own hometown, he could there do no mighty work because of their unbelief. So we take this thing that the world throws at us. Well, I guess if it was real, you'd go clear out the hospitals. And just because we can't do everything, we don't do anything. And Jesus is saying, "Uh uh-uh. Listen, I empowered you. I equipped you. You have the same ability to have the same relationship with the same Father who has the same power today that he had then. You're limiting yourself. We need to take the blinders off our minds and really just know him. Jesus knew him. He knew him. We have to walk close enough to him to hear what he's saying and see what he's doing. But when we're close enough to hear what he's saying and see what he's doing, he still hears, heals, answers, delivers, and sets free today. I had someone come up to me after first service. We prayed a few months ago for her for cancer. 
McClendon. What's her? Sherry McClendon. Sheila McClendon. And she went back to the doctors and the cancer was gone. Praise God. But she came up to me today and she goes, you know what I just realized? That my arthritis is gone too. We didn't pray for the arthritis, but the same power of God that healed the cancer healed the arthritis and will heal when we pray for the sick. We just have to actually do it. What did he tell you that one time? You're not seeing, you, I want to see the miracles, I want to see the miracles. And he said, who are you praying for? But if we really know him, we're going to be bold. Bold enough to get out there and pray. Amen. Number two, if we really know him, it's going to change our reactions. Let's go to Mark chapter 4. I love this story. It's going to change how we react and respond to things. And this is when Jesus calms the storm. Uh, Mark chapter 4, 35. As the evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. I love how it includes that. You know, Mark was not a very detailed guy. He's got the shortest one. I think it's interesting all the Gospels follow the different personalities of the writers. Mark was the evangelist, right? He gets right to the point. But he includes the fact that Jesus was sleeping with his head on a pillow. God didn't put words in the Bible for nothing. He wants you to get a picture here that Jesus was so chill. He was so calm. The disciples, however... We're not super calm. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? They were fearful for their lives. These seaworthy fishermen who did it by trade, who knew the sea, knew that their lives were in danger. They were in a life threatening situation. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. And then he turned to his disciples and he said, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Now, how many of you know that fear is an automatic response? How many of you would agree that fear is an automatic response? We like to scare our kids on purpose. That's kind of mean, but I like to try to sneak up behind them. Ah, did I get you? <laughs> and immediately there's a reaction. They jump, the heart starts pumping. You get scared. It's an automatic reaction. I know I'm a mean mom, aren't I? Um, it's an automatic reaction. So I, I wondered why Jesus would get mad at them for having an automatic reaction. They're in a life threatening situation. So the immediate response of fear, we cannot help. You watch the presidential debates and you can't help that immediate response of wanting to throw up. (laughs) But the next action, you can totally help. And what we don't see here in Mark chapter 4 is the disciples looking at the life-threatening situation, huddling together and saying, 
you know what? Mr. Miracle is asleep in our boat. And we have seen him open blind eyes. We've seen him raise the dead. We've seen him multiply bread. There isn't anything he can't do. Impossible is his favorite word. Let's wake him up and see what he's going to do next. They couldn't help the initial response of fear, but they could help what happened next. And he came, they, they went to him in fear. They shouted at the Son of God. Have you ever shouted at the Son of God? Jesus, why? Why are you letting this happen to me? Because there's no trust there. That immediate response of fear, and it really is better to go to him with the fear than to not go to him at all. So I'm not saying if you're in fear, you're just a failure and just run away. Put your head in the sand. It's better to go to him with that fear. But what's even better is that the closer that we walk with him, the more intimately that we know him, it's going to change our response from that of fear to that of trust to that of just knowing. Let's go over to Acts 12 real quick, real quick. I promise, real quick. And Herod had arrested James and beheaded him, so he died. And then he arrested Peter and put him on death row. So Peter is in prison facing a life-threatening situation. Remember the church gathered together and prayed for him? And then verse 6 says, The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Did you catch that? He was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly there was a bright light in the sound. An angel of the Lord stood before Peter, and the angel had to strike him on the side to wake him up. The same Peter in this life-threatening situation who went to the Son of God in fear now had walked with him all these years later, grown in his intimacy, grown in his relationship, was asleep on death row. When we really know him, and if you think it doesn't matter, it does, because the world is watching you. They want to know what's different. And if they don't see anything different, they're not going to think they need your Jesus. But when they see you react to life-threatening situations in a completely different way than they do, they're going to first think you're crazy, but then they're going to ask you, what's going on? How can you be so calm? How can you be so trusting? Don't you see what's happening to our nation? Don't you see what's happening in your body? Didn't you hear what the doctor said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But guess what? I know the one who created this whole thing, and impossible is his favorite word. And if he has to split the Red Sea and make a whole new path for me, he'll do it. And they're going to want what you have. When you have peace, when they have chaos, they're going to question you. And they're going to want the Jesus that you have. The last thing is that we're going to be strong. And what's the, the biggest verse that comes to mind when I talk about what happens when you know God is Daniel 11.32. Who knows it? They that know their God will be strong and do exploits. And that always just fired me up. I'm going to do exploits. I'm going to get out there and I'm going to preach the gospel and I'm going to heal the sick and I'm going to raise the dead and I'm going to do all these things. Anybody else? Is that what comes to mind? You know what that really means? (laughs) I'm going to burst your bubble here for a second. What that really means 
is you'll be strong and resist and conquer. You'll be strong and resist and conquer. And if you read that in uh, context, it means that they're going to be strong, resist, and conquer the evil forces that are coming against them. How many of you have evil forces coming against you? Some have tormenting thoughts. Some have sickness in your body. Some have family. I mean, family members aren't evil, but the, well, you, they can act evil. <laughs> Be strong, resist, and conquer. And what came to mind was David and Goliath. Right? The Israel's facing the giant. The whole army of Israel is facing one giant, and they're scared to death. Scared to death of this giant. And David's just bringing food to his brothers. He hears this giant talking. He hears Goliath talking, and he gets fired up. He goes to Saul and he goes, I'll take him on. And Saul goes, you can't do that. He goes, I can do it. You know why? Because when I was out keeping the sheep, a bear came after him and I killed that bear and a lion came after him and I killed that lion and the same God that helped me slay the bear and slay the lion will help me slay this uncircumcised Philistine. Let me at him. Why? Because David knew his God. Right? So Sunday we were in Buffalo talking to, uh, his name's Aviad Avatai, Amatai, from Israel. He was the guide when Michael was in Israel. And I could have listened to him just talk about the scriptures all day long. But afterwards, we were sitting in the green room eating and talking, and he said, you know, he was talking about the differences between Israel and America, and he said, one of the biggest differences is in America, if you hear gunfire, what do you do? You run away. In Israel, when we hear gunfire, we run at it. We run at that perpetrator because we're going to take him down. Why? Because they know the God they have covenant with. Like David He didn't run away from the giant. He ran at him because he wasn't comparing the giant to his strength. He was comparing the giant to God's strength. And there's nothing that exalts itself above the power and the strength of God. Nothing. One person, one entity, the devil tried to exalt himself above above God. And Jesus said, I saw him fall like lightning. Nothing is more powerful than God. We exalt it in our eyes because we're more familiar with what we see than what we don't. But when we know him, when we really know him, we'll be strong, we'll conquer. Because David knew his God. And because Daniel knew his God. Daniel outlasted nine kings. Nine They'd come to power. They'd set their decree. Daniel did his thing anyway. God protected him. The king fell off the map. Another king rises up. They set their decree. Daniel obeys God. God protects Daniel, and the king falls off the map. And a new king rises up, and and Daniel outlasted all of them. Why? Because our God is greater. Our God is stronger. He's higher than anyone that will exalt themselves against God. We just have to believe it. And when we really know him, can you imagine 
what force the church will be in this earth. Oh, I just want to dance and run around this room right now. I want to do miracles. Not to exalt me, but because he, I can't heal anybody. But the power of God in me can. We just have to be bold enough to act on it. Knowing God should change our lives. Knowing God should change everything. It's how Peter and John at the gate, beautiful, could say, such as I have, give I thee, in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. And a crippled man got up and walked. It's how the church could pray for Peter, knowing that God would release him. It's how Peter could sleep in the jail. It's how Jesus overcame temptation, resist, conquer, knowing God. Jesus wasn't just beating his flesh under. He wasn't just saying no to the flesh. He was saying yes to the one he knew. And the more you know somebody, the more you love somebody. It's not law. It's not law to put the body under. It's not law to do the do's and avoid the avoids. It's love. It's relationship. It's how well we know him. Because love doesn't want to hurt or offend. So we don't, Jesus didn't resist temptation because of works. He resisted temptation because he was saying yes to the one he loved. Right? Right? It's how Jesus could say, my will, not your be done, not you. your will, not mine be done in the Garden of Gethsemane. What would we do if we faced that kind of persecution that's going on in the Middle East? They can steal whatever they want to try to steal from me. They'll never steal my connection. Right? They that know their God. They tried to steal Peter. But God sent an angel. They tried to destroy Daniel, but he knew his God. Hmm. It's how Paul could say from jail, I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard that which I have entrusted to him against that day. It's how he could say, everybody abandoned me, but the Lord stood with me. He has delivered me. He will deliver me. When we know God, it's going to change our life. And it's going to change the life of everyone around us. Jesus was the visible image of the invisible God. And that's what we're supposed to be. Exuding the life and the love and the power of God. And when we really know him, that's what's going to happen. But it's our choice. It's our choice how closely we walk with him. We choose. He opened the way. And if we believe in him and follow him, we're with him. We're in the relationship. We're in the family. But I want to be like one of the inner circle. I'm not satisfied being one of the 70 or even one of the 12. I want to be like Peter, James, and John. I want to take me to the Mount of Transfiguration. I want to be so close to him that he says, this is my best friend. And I want, after I move to heaven, I want somebody to look back and say, because she knew her God, it changed my life. Man, if you're bored as a Christian, let me just, let's just know him. And I'm not saying that we don't 
We know him in a measure, but there's so much more. I want to whet our appetites and give us a picture of what life can look like if we'll press in a little deeper and move in a little closer. It takes effort. I said this first service, somebody came up to Michael after he led worship one night at river service, said, man, I want your anointing. Would you just lay hands on me? And he's like, dude, you got to pay the price. That I, are you willing to? It's like Jesus when they said, can I sit on this side and that side in the kingdom? And he goes, are you, can you drink the cup that I drank of? Are you willing to walk through what I walked through that drew me closer to the heart of God? Everything we go to, through can either push us away or draw us to. It's our choice whether we come to him or stay right where we are. We can be as close to him and as intimately acquainted with him. And I could go on and on and on. But we're not going to. But it's our choice. But this is what life can look like. We're supposed to be doing those miracles. We can live a life of peace. We can live a life of joy. We can live a conquering, overcoming life. Let's know him, Ken, shall we? Father, we just thank you. I delivered in my inadequate way, but you, <laughs> Holy Spirit, will go home with everybody in this place, and I ask you to break it apart, cause it to come alive on the inside of us. Give us a hunger and desire to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God's good. Why don't you go ahead and stand? We're going to speak a blessing. Before we do this, how many of you are blessed by this word today? Can I just, uh, can I just encourage you guys? Um, when I had this idea of a what-if series, um, I had no idea that it was going to play out like this, but you heard what her message was today. What if I really knew God? What if I really know Him? Next week, it plays into, this plays into exactly what Pastor Dan's getting ready to preach. He's preaching the next part of what-if what if I would dare to dream? How many know you, you, every one of us, every one of us has a dream on the inside of us. And God's just waiting for us to dare to dream it. But we won't dare to dream it if we don't know him. So you have to know him in order to put trust in him to say, you know what, God, I'm gonna trust you to dream this impossible dream. I'm going to trust you that when this comes to pass in my life, I'm going to be right in the middle of where you want me to be. And he's preparing us all along. This message, it, it, it's, it's for exactly where we are as a church. We're getting ready. We're getting ready to step into the next phase of this thing called ministry here. And I am so fired up because we need to move past what was. We're not who we used to be. We're moving past what is because where we are, we cannot stay here any longer. We want more of who he is. We're moving to what if, not the negative side of it, but God, we want more of you. We want all of it. And I'm telling you, if you would dare to, to say, Lord, what if you just actually blew up on the inside of me? What if I actually became aware of who you were? The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me and you. My, my, my. We're getting ready to see some cool things. Amen.
You don't want to miss next week. And then Pastor Rob is preaching week three. What if I knew me? Who I am in Christ. And then I'm going to wrap it all up on Easter Sunday. with What if I just did it? You guys ain't going to want to miss this. This is a powerful series. I believe God is setting us up for, for, for the next phase that we're going to. So you don't want to miss this. Once you just raise your hands, we want to bless you this morning. We just bless you in the name of Jesus. Father God, may your light shine upon them. May they come to understand that the dream on the inside of them is attainable. May they come to understand we bless them with the ability to see who you are, God. We bless them to know who God is, to know that strength, that divine influence on the inside of them so that they would go out and conquer and do great exploits in the mighty name of Jesus. We bless you. We thank you so much for being part of our family. We, we are, we're humbled. We just stand in awe. We pinch ourselves every week. We just want to tell you how much we love you. We're here for you. If you'd like prayer in any area of your body or any, any part of your life, uh, pastors will be here. Um, we do have some uh, deacons who will also be up here. Our Victory Ministry team, we're here to pray for you. So if you'd like prayer for any area of your life, we're here for you. God bless you. We will see you on Wednesday. And then Thursday, don't forget, Israel. It's going to be fun. Oh, don't forget your Easter eggs. Go to, go to, go to the dollar store and buy groceries. Buy a thousand of them. Love you guys. <laughs>